You may be seated. The Spirit of the Lord is welcome in this place, and we are so grateful for His presence. We thank God for your presence in this place. We give God all the glory for the freedom that we so enjoy. And I know we did this Memorial Day, but I would like to invite, if you have served in any branch of our armed forces we want you to stand and we want to thank you for your service to our country and for giving us the freedom that we so enjoy. Would you stand so we can show our appreciation? Thank you so much for your faithful service and for all those who have gone on before who sacrificed to give us the freedom that we have. And I'm so grateful for the Spirit of God in this place and where the, free, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And some of us are here today and we need to tap into His Spirit. We have a time of prayer every Sunday. If you feel led, you're invited to come kneel at this altar or you can stand where you are. For those of you watching online or on YouTube, you're welcome to make wherever you are your altar. But I, and I know many of us, believe in the power of prayer. Do you believe that God is still in the business of answering prayer? He does. It may not be how we want it. God knows not what we want, but what we need. And I pray today that if you have a need or if you have a concern, a worry, a fear, a sin that you're struggling with, guilt, sickness, illness, maybe you want to stand in for a family member or friend, I'm going to invite you to come join me as we lift up our prayers together. Would you come pray with me today? pray. Oh God, we need you. Every hour we need you. And God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us and for your love and your mercy and your grace. And Father, we claim the passage that your grace is sufficient and your power is made perfect in weakness. God, I know there are people here at this altar, people praying from their seats people praying at home or on vacation, Lord, that need your power and your strength. Father, we have yet once again lost some of our church family members. Father, we pray for the Shoemaker family and the Oliver Hardesty family and the loss of Rachel Shoemaker. Father, I pray that they might feel your comfort and your strength and your love. Father, we pray for the Moore family and the loss of J.D. and ask that you would be
be with Alice and her family as they grieve. And God, we have many others who are hurting. We pray for the Sanderson family and the loss of Ashby and ask God that they might feel your comfort and your strength. Lord, we have many who are facing surgeries, recovering from surgeries, going through treatments. God, we believe you are able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And we pray for miracles of healing, if it be your will. I know some people are in pain today. Would you, even now, remove that pain and discomfort from them? Father, there are people battling depression and anxiety. Would you give them a gentle peace that passes all understanding? Father, we continue to pray for this country. We pray, God, for unity. We pray for peace. We pray for our leaders that you would give them wisdom. Father, we pray for our military as they protect. God, thank you for all the men and women who have paid the ultimate sacrifice to bring us freedom. May we never take it for granted. Father, I'm so grateful for this church who's been a lighthouse on this hill for 234 years. How blessed we are. And may we never, God, take for granted this wonderful church, not a perfect church, but this wonderful church family where we worship together and serve together and make a difference for your kingdom together. Bless them and continue to bless our country. And Father, I pray that if there are folks here today or watching that have never given their hearts and lives to Jesus, may today be the day of salvation for someone. Remove distractions or interruptions or or anything that Satan might try to throw our way. Bind Satan. He is not welcome in this place. And Father, bind him that he would have no glory or victory, but only you would reign supreme. Father, would you sing and play through our musicians, instrumentalists in just a moment. And Father, I pray that you would speak through your word and your servant. And Father, I am weak. But in and through you, when I am weak, then I am strong. So give me the words, Lord, and that my heart might be in touch with your heart and your heart with mine and open all of our hearts that we might be receptive to hear your word and be changed by it, drawn to you. We'll just praise you and thank you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us and for giving us your one and only Son, Jesus, to die for us. How could we ever repay you and thank you enough except to commit our lives fully surrendered to you? So help us now, O oh God, we pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. If you have John chapter 8, and after the reading of God's Word, would you be in prayer for choir and our instrumentalists as they lead us in a, in a beautiful a message and song. 
We'll be reading two verses out of John chapter 8, begin with verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Amen. Amen. I need a tissue. <laughs> Sweating and crying all at the same time. Thank you all, guys. What a beautiful job. The instrumentalists and the singers, what a great job. That was just a little extra time to get, get my breath here. So uh, I'm so glad you're here on this holiday weekend. You could have been many other places, but thank you that you chose to be in God's house. And I pray God would bless you for your efforts to be here today. I always like to share a little humor. I read a funny story about a dad named Nicholas who was taking his little four-year-old son, Brian, to several Major League Baseball games on summer break. They were traveling, going to several games, and as they would go to the Major League Baseball game, the game would begin with the singing or playing of the national anthem or the Star Spangled Banner. And so after going to several games in a row, the father and son and their family went to church on the Sunday before 4th of July, much like today. And as part of the patriotic celebration at church, the congregation stood and they sang the Star Spangled Banner, the, the national anthem. And as they finished, little four-year-old Brian yelled at the top of his lungs, play ball! <laughs> Thought that was cute that he had heard it so many times, play ball. What does real freedom mean to you? What does real freedom mean to you? Maybe you can relate to real freedom when your mom and dad let you stay at home for the very first time by yourself and you thought, I'm, I'm free to do whatever I want. Or maybe real freedom to you is when you turned 16 and you got your driver's license and you thought, I can go wherever I want to go. That's real freedom for me. Maybe real freedom is when you're a student at school and the teacher is out on sick leave or taking a personal day and you have a substitute teacher and you think, woohoo, I can do whatever I want. And, and I know I was a substitute teacher at one point, so I know how that works. Maybe real freedom to you is when you went off to college and you thought, I'm out of my mother and dad's constant watch care, and again, I'm free to do whatever I want. Maybe mom and dad, when your last child left the nest, you thought that's real freedom. I finally get to do what I really want to do with them gone. Maybe real freedom to you is, is being without pain. Some of you deal with pain nonstop, and freedom for you is when you can go a day without pain. But most of us would agree that real freedom for us in this country is being able to worship freely to be able to work where we want to work and to uh, say what we want to say, to do what we want to do, and, uh, and know that we will not be punished as a result. We live in a free country, and that is real freedom. For the believer in Jesus Christ, the ultimate freedom comes through faith and trust in him. We are set free from our guilt, from our sin, from our past mistakes, and we can have a fresh start even 
today. That might be real freedom for some of you here. But in our scripture passage today, we see in John chapter 8, Jesus in the temple courts. And the part of the scripture that we did not read is when Jesus had had a lady caught in adultery that had been brought to him. Y'all remember the story. This lady was brought to, to Jesus and the religious leaders, teachers of the law and Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. They said the law requires this woman to, to be stoned to death or to die. This was a trick. It was a trap because the Jewish religious leaders did not have the uh, right or the privilege of seeing someone put to death because they were under Roman rule. But if Jesus said, no, that's not right, then the Jewish religious leaders and teachers of the law would have said, well, then you're breaking the law of Moses. Was, he was at a catch-22. And you remember what Jesus said in verse 7 of John chapter. He said, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then I've always wondered, and we've talked about this before, Jesus got down on the ground and he began to write on the ground. Have you ever wondered what Jesus was writing on the ground? I've thought several different things. I've thought maybe Jesus was writing the sins of some of those who were there who were holding the rocks. Maybe he was writing their names, like I know your name and I know what you do, and he was writing that. But starting with the oldest, they began to one by one drop the stones and they began to walk away. And then in verses 10 and 11, Jesus turned to the woman and he said, Woman, where are they? Who has condemned you? And she said, no one, sir. He said, neither do I condemn you. Now, a lot of people in the story right there. That's the end of the story. That's a great, powerful message. But that wasn't it. Jesus said to her, now go and leave your life of sin. So he showed grace, but he did not condone the life that she was living. Now go and sin no more. So Jesus, not long after that, then the teachers of the law were continuing to challenge him. And Jesus said in verse 12 of John chapter 8, he goes, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. But yet they still continue to challenge him and try to trap him. And then Jesus made it clear in the two verses that we shared today, two important verses that bring to me the keys of living a life of real freedom and how to be a real disciple. And I would hope that if you're here and you're not a Christian that you will become one before the service is through, whether you're here or you're watching. Or maybe if you already are a Christian, that maybe you would take your faith more seriously and not just say you're a Christian, but you would authentically 
genuinely live it out each day that you would grow in your relationship with him. But in our scripture passage today, it's important for us if we really are serious about real freedom and being a real disciple that we must first trust and believe in Jesus Christ. Trust and believe in Jesus Christ. In verse 31, it says, to the Jews who believed in him. Well, it's one thing to say, I believe in him. Even the demons, you remember, even the demons believed and they shuddered, but they didn't have a personal relationship with him. And if you would read back in verse 30 of John chapter 8, it said, even as he spoke, many came to put their faith in him. So we know that some of these Jewish people were authentically giving their hearts and lives to Jesus, while others were just saying, yeah, I believe this guy's interesting, I believe. But the real mark of a true believer is when we change our lifestyle and we're living sold-out, surrendered lives for him. And we know in, in verse 34 of, of uh, John chapter 8, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Let me ask you today, is there a sin in your life today that's keeping you in bondage or shackled? And maybe someone else could tell you what your sin is, but you don't see it. Is it possible that you are a slave to an addiction, maybe it's a substance, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe you're a slave to pornography, maybe you are a slave to gossip, maybe you are a slave to slander, maybe you are a slave to an eating disorder, maybe you are a slave to anxiety or depression or fear, maybe you are being held captive by impure thoughts and impure motives. But Jesus, if you would go back to verse 24 of John chapter 8, he said, I tell you that you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one who I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. So we must believe in the person of Jesus Christ and know that he has the power to reconcile us with God. Did you know that from the very beginning of time, God has given us free will? Did you all know that? From the very beginning, God has given us free will. Unfortunately, Many times we make the wrong choice or the bad decision. That's what sin is. It separates us from God's disobedience to God. And some of you are here today and you are a slave to sin. The devil knows your weakness. He knows my weakness. And you better believe he's going to give it to you all the time tempting you all the time with what your kryptonite is, what your weakness is. He's going to constantly put it right there 
and plain view. But here's the great news. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Isn't that great news? That's the best news of all. God demonstrates his love for us that even though we're sinners, he forgives us, he loves us. Many of us memorized as children, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us or purify us from all unrighteousness. Then what was the message that Peter preached after the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? Do you remember in verse 38 what Peter preached? He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. After the Holy Spirit came, Peter said, you need to repent. You know what repentance is. I've told you and share with you all the time. That's why Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, go now and leave your life of sin. When we're not repentant, we keep living, doing what we've always done, living the way we've always lived, talking the way we've always talked, talking to people the way we've always... But when we are truly repentant and sorry, it's a change of mind, change of heart, and change of direction. I no longer am going to be a slave to sin, and I'm leaving this life of sin. But the problem is there's a lot of people who don't think how they're living is a sin. And it's our job as Christians to point them to the truth of God's Word, which that's exactly what our second point is. Jesus said in the second part of verse 31, he said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And the second key to having Real freedom is taking God's word to heart. Taking God's word to heart. When it says, if you hold to my teach, you know what he's saying? If you abide in my word, if you remain in my word, if you obey my word, if you sit at the feet of Jesus, if you live under his authority, that's what holding on to his teaching and, and his word is that we would hold on to, abide in. Remember what Jesus said in that passage, John 15, 5, for those of you who, who maybe years ago took experience in God, it was one of the memory verses. John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in him, they will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So we know we must abide or remain in his teaching. And living under his authority is trying to live more for Jesus, growing in his likeness every day. 
You remember a hymn we used to sing years ago, and I remember as a child singing more, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness, see, more of his love who died for me, more about Jesus. And we are to grow more and more in our knowledge of his word and how it can change our lives. But here's the challenge that we face today. We're living in a world that doesn't believe as the Bible believes. And as a result, there's conflict. And, and it's our responsibility as Christians to hold on to his teachings and to hold on to his word. And in so living them out will be a witness, a testimony to those around us. But unfortunately... If we do not conform to the way of the world and believe as the rest of the world does, then we are canceled. You've heard the term cancel culture. Well, cancel culture is the practice of uh, boycotting or publicly uh, uh, denying or, or cutting yourself up, ending your uh, relationship with a person or group of people because you find that their views and actions socially or morally are unacceptable. So it's cancel culture. If you think that's a new thing, it's been around a long time. It's, it's an old practice with a new name because Jesus Christ was canceled by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The apostle Paul was canceled by the Judaizers. Uh, Peter was canceled by wicked Emperor Nero. Unfortunately, people have canceled God's church. Christians have canceled other Christians. I'm sorry to say that my family and I have been canceled by some. We've been unfriended and unfollowed and uninvited and untruths told. And people try to cancel out when you are trying to live for the truth. I think about what Jesus said in John 15, 20. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. But then I love what Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 23. He said, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And know that God is the one who judges justly. Believe me, there have been plenty of times where I've wanted to retaliate. But that would not be glorifying to God. That would give devil pleasure and victory. And I don't know about you, I don't want to give the devil any pleasure or victory and cause me or you to stumble and fall. And so we're living in this cancel culture. You know, we've had people that have left the church during COVID because of how and we, we handled COVID. I've told you this before, we and I had never been through a worldwide pandemic before. Have any of you been through one before? I told you we did not have a class at seminary called 
Worldwide Pandemic 101. And as a result, we were learning as we go. But let me tell you, I got canceled by a lot of people. I got canceled because we chose as an uh, act of love and precaution for your health and well-being to not have in-person services. But I told you this not long ago. I didn't miss a Sunday. We didn't miss a Sunday. We came in here and preached the good news of Jesus Christ to an empty church and put it online for the world to see. Maybe reach more people then than we do now. But the fact is, we were doing what we felt God would have us to do to keep people safe. But yet I had people to tell me, oh, well, when you did go back in person, you're waving the King Andy flag. You're making people wear masks. Again, that was to keep people safe. We had people to die in this church from natural causes and some to die of COVID during this difficult time. So if you say it's not real, then you go talk to these people that lost their loved one and they'll tell you how real it was. But yet people... I want to tell you this, and I want to say it as eloquently and as loving as I can. We've got to stop putting politics before our faith in Jesus Christ. tell you a little sampling of some of the things I've dealt with. <laughs> I've had people to come into my office and tell me with no regard of, of our faith in Jesus Christ have come in to tell me how evil President Trump was and how senile President Biden is. I've had people to come in and say to me, all Fox News is is a bunch of lies. And then someone turns around and say, all CNN is, is a bunch of lies. That's why we cannot take sides with a political party in God's church. We side with Jesus Christ. We put him on the center of our hearts and our lives, on the platform, the one that we keep our eyes fixed upon. And so many people have, again, gotten angry at me when I'm trying. If you've been here for any amount of time at this church, you know how apolitical I am. Now, I believe you can have your beliefs and stand strong in what you believe. That's why I think we are to hold to the teachings of God. It makes it pretty clear when we stick to God's word what's right and what's wrong. But yet, so many people make it more about a party than they do their, uh, their uh, faith in Christ. Why do you think through the years we've had uh, former Governor Brereton Jones, was a Democratic governor, used to attend here quite often. His first Sunday he visited in the little church, he said he was going to feed horses and he had run to McDonald's to get a biscuit and he came back and he saw a little church with a parking lot full of cars. 
And he said, that was at the early service. He said, I got to go back and see what's going on. He went home and showered, and he came back to the second service. His first Sunday at the church, I was so excited, so nervous, that I said, I'm going to ask Governor Brereton Jones if you would pray for us. And he goes, okay. So he stood and he prayed and did a great job. After that, he and his wife would visit time to time, invited our whole church to their family picnic on their farm, rented a bus for us to go when Billy Graham spoke at Cardinal Stadium in Louisville, rented a bus, and he was on the, the board that brought Billy Graham to Cardinal Stadium. And so I loved that he felt comfortable coming to this church. If I would have, pitched, if I would have preached politics, then he would not have felt comfortable to come here. And I would have uh, diminished my influence of being able to, I would have alienated myself from people who do not believe as me. Well, here's uh, Governor Ernie Fletcher when he was in office. He and his wife started coming. And I was uh, kindly asked, graciously asked to be in a prayer group with he and his uh, advisors and with some other local ministers. So I would pray with him once a month. And then one Sunday, I think it was Bill Tabor and Tommy Lippert, the, the Joneses and the Fletchers were here, and they came and set them both on that pew together, side by side, worshiping. <laughs> but why did they feel comfortable to come? Because they knew Jesus was being preached and not politics. And we must respect one another, even when we don't agree with one another. Don't assume when you go up and, and start talking about what you believe to be right and wrong and it, be understanding that this person may not see it as you see it. We read in 1 Peter 2.17, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God honor the king or the emperor. You know, our job as Christians is to pray for those in places of authority. I've told you before, you want a better. And then I was asked, I was asked by Governor Bashir to go pray at an Easter egg hunt down at the Capitol this year. Look, if any governor or political official or any city official want to ask me to come and represent the Lord in his church, I'll always, if my schedule will allow, I'll always say yes. I don't care what the party affiliation. Anytime you can get Jesus out into the world, it's a positive. It's a good thing. So if you saw me praying at the Easter egg, well, I was down there waving this King Andy flag. I was there to represent Jesus Christ and his church. I'm telling you, I'm proud to be an American, but I'm more proud to be a Christian. When I was at Southern Seminary, it was at the height, I've told you, uh, a more liberal president was on uh, outskirts. He was leaving, and a more fundamental conservative president was coming in. I told you I went thinking I was going to be walking on holy ground, and it was battleground. I was walking down the halls, and people were coming up to me saying, what are you? What are you? 
Now, they weren't talking about what my gender. They were saying, what are you, your beliefs? Are, are you a fundamentalist or a conservative or a moderate or a liberal? And I remember like it was yesterday, I said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I don't want to be labeled anything but that. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be great if we could all say that? Above all, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and his word teaches us what's right and what's wrong and how important it is for us to follow. So today I think about um, the world and what it stands for and how we are to be the salt and light in a world where people need the Lord. Paul said, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind or spirit. This past Thursday, Patsy Briscoe was kind enough to fill in for our secretary in the office. And I feel sorry for Patsy and George Bender because George was here doing some work. Patsy was doing work. Well, I ended up preaching to him about an hour in the office. <laughs> and they said, well, they don't have to come to church today because they've already heard it, but they did anyway. And Patsy was sharing about a doctor's appointment that Bill had, her husband. And they met with the PA who was sharing with them the importance and said, you know what would make this world a whole lot better place? And I said this at John Shoemaker's funeral. Said if people would just keep the first and two greatest commandments to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself, what a difference there would be in this world. If we could just love God more than anything and anybody and love our neighbor what a difference we can make if we could do that. And I try and strive to do that. Then lastly, in order for us to have real freedom, we must turn to the truth. Jesus said in verse 32, he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free or make you free. And then you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free or make you free. Now, who is the truth? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. That's why we turn to him to be our God. And then it says you'll be set free. What do we need to be set free from? Well, fear is one thing. Let me ask you, do you know for sure where you would go if you were to die tonight, do you know you would go to heaven? Are you afraid? I've gone to meet with people on their deathbed before, and they've said, I'm afraid. And I've tried to reassure them that when you know Christ, you don't have to be afraid. And that's what John says in 1 John 4.18. He said, there is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. You know what perfect love? He was talking about the perfect love of Jesus Christ on the cross. We don't have to be afraid of eternal death because we have the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that's so comforting. But he sets us free from other people. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free or set you free. How many of us, including myself, worry too much about what everybody else thinks, and we try to please everyone else. I'm a people pleaser. You know what hurts me is when I'm trying to please people, and you see they're not pleased. 
for many years I've been trying my best to please my, my mom and dad and my teachers and my coaches, now my wife and my children and the church family. You know, I'm, I'm, I've always wanted to please people. But Paul said in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 4, he says, we are not to try to please people, but please God who tests our hearts. I would much rather please God than people. But yet so many times we're worried about what other people will think, what other people say. And honestly, through the years, that's been tough because there have been times where I've wanted to share certain things, but, but I've tried, again, I used the analogy a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, about as a, as a restaurant owner and a manager trying to make sure everybody gets good food and good service and good atmosphere. I've told you that. And in the kitchen, you don't always know what's going on, that there's bugs in the kitchen, a rat in the kitchen, there's someone's been fired in the kitchen, good management, everybody's like, oh, things are great, things are good, you know, I'm just enjoying it. Well, what's been hard is when I have sometimes wanted to share some of the stuff that are, that's going on in the kitchen, but to save people's reputations and protect God's church, I've kept it in the kitchen. Because that's what management and ministers and places of position and authority, they try not to think about themselves. What did Jesus say was the first step in being his disciple? In Luke 9, 23, he said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So it's not about self, trying to think about the church and trying to think about the good of everyone else, not just good for me, but the good of the church. Years ago, I had people to come to me when they were weren't wanting a certain staff member hired, and people came and met with me, and I knew some things, and I knew this person would not be a good fit. And someone said to me, how is it that you think you know God's will and I don't? I said, for such a time as this, God has made me the shepherd of this flock, and I have tried my best to lead in the direction that he would have us go, so you can trust in me, or I'm sorry, I don't know what else to say. And God worked things out, and we hired Bill Adcock. <laughs> it worked out, didn't it? Six, <laughs> 16 years later. But then, lastly, I think when it says, you should know that in the truth shall make you, it's from sin. It's from sin. In John 8, 36, Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's, that's Jesus Christ who forgives us of our sins and who loves us. I want to tell you all, this is a special. I'm about done. I know you are getting hungry, and it's five after. Uh, Cracker Barrel's already crowded, so go somewhere else today. <laughs> I want to tell you all this with all sincerity. I was crying for several reasons when I was singing. I was crying because I, was, I felt the Holy Spirit as I was singing with this great choir about our great nation and the freedom that we have. I'm so grateful, humbled, honored. 
We also sang that song at my dad's funeral uh, almost a year ago when we did a service for my dad. And I was thinking about singing next to my brothers and my family as we were remembering my dad. I, I was moved. I was also thinking about that this church took a chance on a young preacher boy 24 years ago today. Today's my 24th anniversary. Took a chance on me. Bless you, brother. Love you, love you, love you. And I want to tell you this, and we're about to close. I have prayed every day that we would keep in step with the Holy Spirit, that we would never run ahead of him, nor lag behind him, or get out of step with him, that we would keep in perfect step with his Spirit. I'm not perfect. My wife and my children will tell you, but I try to be the same person, whether it's standing up here or at my home or wherever I'm, I try to represent Christ. And I pray daily not only to lead our church family in the way the Holy Spirit would lead, but my earthly family too. I try to lead us, to, I pray that daily. And I also pray the prayer of Jabez from years ago, every day, oh, that you would bless us and enlarge our territory. Let your hand be with us and keep us from harm so that we will be free from pain. And I have to tell you that in order for us to enlarge our territory, it's got to be more about Jesus and less about us and our political stance. It's got to always be about him more than us. And when we do that, then we're enlarging our territory to love people into the arms of God and not cause them to turn and run in the other direction. We have to love them with the good news of Jesus. Look, the media is not the gospel. God's word is. And so don't say, well, they said it on the news. It doesn't mean it's true. But if it says it in here, you better believe it's true. And today, I would love to continue to lead this church if you still have confidence in me and belief in me and my family to do what's right and to lead in the way that the Lord would have. I'd love to continue to serve as your pastor, if that would be okay with you. And I pray today that if you don't know Jesus, why not... To Fourth of July weekend that you gave your life to Christ, how beautiful would that be? Or maybe you've been looking for a church home. We would love to have you to be a part of this church. Again, I and we are not perfect, but he is. Or maybe you want to recommit your life. You're a Christian, but you haven't really been holding to his teachings. You've been doing it your way instead of his way. It'd be my privilege to pray with you about your decision for Christ. So, at this time, I'm going to ask you to just go to the Lord in prayer with me. God, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are any people here or watching that have never accepted Christ, that they would take the first step to real freedom by trusting and believing in you. Lord, I pray that if there are others here today that have 
drifted away and been caught up in all the corruption and craziness of the world, that they would come back to you today and have a fresh start and a new beginning. Repent and come back to Jesus and know that they would be loved and welcomed home just like the prodigal son. Or Lord, maybe there are people that have been visiting this church and they want to be a part of a church that's trying to make a difference, loving people with the love of Jesus, but also instructing people the importance of turning, leaving their life of sin and coming toward Jesus. Oh God, give people the boldness to come today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and sing this closing hymn of invitation. It's so appropriate. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Won't you come? Amen. I want to thank you all so much for being here today, allowing the Holy Spirit to be in this place. And uh, I love you all. My family and I love you. Thank you for your love and prayers and support that you show us and have shown us for these last 24 years. Of course, my children weren't here 24 years ago, but um, I'm so humbled and honored to serve in this place. I love to see this place still rebuilding and growing and reaching people with the light and love of Jesus. And may we always keep our eyes fixed upon him because there's no fault in him. But if you're looking at me, you're going to find it. But there's no fault in Jesus. So you'll never be disappointed. I'll try not to disappoint you. But I already have, and I'm sure I will in the future, but I try not to. I try to keep my eyes fixed upon Jesus. Appreciate you all. Love you. I hope you have a blessed and happy 4th of July. Hope you'll come this Wednesday. We have Wednesday night a very special service. Not only do we do a meal at 5 in the Fellowship Hall, which if you've never been, is delicious. But this Wednesday, our normal prayer meeting is going to take a little uh, turn. Uh, we're going to have a prayer and healing service. We're going to be anointing people with oil. So if you want to come and be prayed over, anointed with oil, uh, we would invite you to come. And we're going to do a prayer and healing service as, as you will find in James chapter 5. And we're going to anoint with oil, trusting in Jesus to bring miracles of healing and uh, comfort over people. So I hope to see you then. And then next Sunday afternoon, there's going to be a Forks 412. It's our new uh, 18 through 29-year-old group. We're going to have a cookout at the Lester House next Sunday afternoon. I think it's at 5 o'clock. And so if you're in that 18 to 29, all you need to do is come. We're going to feed you, and we're going to share the love of Christ with you and invite a friend. It's going to be great. But thank you all for being here. God bless.